This is Hustle and Pro with Kelly Walker. Join Kelly as she talks sports with players, coaches, organizers, and entrepreneurs from BWE League to Pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome to today's episode of Hustle and Pro. We're talking football today with Jamar Landrum, who played at Tennessee State and was a former NFL player. We're going to talk a little bit about football, a little bit about life, and what Jamar is up to lately. So welcome, Jamar. Thanks for joining me. Welcome, welcome. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so we always jump into a few quick hits to sort of get to know your your sports personality a little bit. So this is a big one, but who's your favorite all-time athlete? Favorite all-time athlete is Kobe Bryant. So what's your favorite sport then uh, to play? Oh, my favorite sport to play, no question, is football. Football. But then what's your favorite sport to watch? Favorite sport to watch, um, I, I would say... It's kind of leaning towards basketball more. I mean, football for a while was a love-hate relationship because I had to walk away not on my own terms. Um, so for a while, I stopped watching football, but I'm slowly back watching football. But I would say basketball has become one of my favorite sports to watch in my downtime. Now, do you have a favorite all-time team? Favorite all-time team, um, particular in a sport? No, I don't. I, I always had a tendency to uh, like individuals. You know, I get attracted to individual players because I see myself um, in the in some of the players, as far as relating to them, as far as how they carry themselves, the way they attack the games they played, and you know, and with the preparation. So I have a tendency to like players, necessarily teams, but now you know, two teams I root for in football is the Pittsburgh Steelers and Jacksonville Jaguars, two teams I was previously with, and then in basketball I like uh, Westbrook now. So I, you know, Houston is my squad. Also like L.A. Clippers because. I like Kawhi Leonard. So I like individual players, so I don't have a particular team that I like. Okay. Growing up, though, where where did you grow up? I grew up in Pontiac, Michigan, right outside of Detroit. Outside of Detroit. Mm-hmm. So were you growing up like a Pistons fan? No, no, no. no. So my childhood, where I grew up, I actually was a San Francisco friend. Okay. I like San Francisco um, for professional. I like um, see, uh, Miami, University of Miami for football, and also like Duke for basketball. Okay. So... You're all over the place. Yeah, I had I had the teams. <laughs> I mean, I was exposed to sports earlier, so I think those were the teams that were good, you know, at the time. So I fell in love with those teams. So, what's the farthest distance you've ever traveled to play sports? Farthest distance I ever traveled to play sports? Germany. You played in NFL Europe. Or yep, Europe. NFL yep. Europe. Uh-huh. So one other thing: what do you have any superstitions? So like game day superstitions? Is that something you have to do to get your mind right or your body right for game day? Yeah. So game day superstitions. What I did was. Before I uh, went out or whatever I did, I always ran to a, uh, pre, uh opposite end zone and said a quick prayer. And I always pointed up to the sky and said, this one's for you, uh, granddad. I lost my granddad at 14. He was, you know, very close to me. He was like a father figure to me. And since then, you know, going through that adversity, I used that as motivation to propel me forward and be successful in life and also that sport. So I always dedicate everything I did to him um, when, it, when it came to football. Wow. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about you growing up in sports. Obviously, when you hear, when I hear that you're a former NFL player, I want to talk about that. But I want to know a little bit before that. Like, what sports shaped you as an athlete besides football, I'm assuming, hoping you played some other sports. And so at what ages were you playing other things, and what were you into? Well, the first sport I actually played was um, a t-ball, baseball, because I was too young to play football. And I got a, a funny story. Uh, so I used to play a game we called Kill 'em, where you, you have everyone line up and you throw the ball in the air. 
and you got to catch the ball and try to run. You got to try to beat everyone. So that was my favorite game for football. So I knew I was good in football because I was able to grab the ball and beat all those guys and score a touchdown. And a lot of times the guys was older than me. My brother was three years older than me. I played with, you know, his friends and maybe a guy's a little bit older than him. So very young, I knew that I was good in football. T-ball was the first sport that I actually played. I also played basketball too as well. So Football, baseball, and when I got older, um, I ran track. So football, baseball, and basketball were the sports that shaped me. Um, but football was my love. You know, I, I knew that football was something that I wanted to do at a very young age and I actually set a goal to make it to the NFL when I was six years old. Six years old? Yes. You knew you were, or you just thought you were that good already, that young. You felt something. So I go by a quote. It says, what one thinks, one believes, what one speaks, one becomes. So to break it down, pretty much, you know, I thought that football is something I like, something that I can do or whatever. So I started believing it, What right, when I was playing with my older brothers, like I said, and older guys, and I was scoring touchdowns. And then when people asked me what I wanted to be, and when I grow up, I said, I wanted to play professional football. I want to be in the NFL. So I started speaking it. And then that's what I became. So I understood the power of that quote way before that quote without even one teaching it to me. It wasn't until later on in my life I found that quote and I fell in love with that quote. Wow. So as you got older, after age six, that's your goal. Um, at what point did you realize your college, you know, likelihood to get into a college that you wanted to go to and play? It was no question that I knew I was going to get into college. I mean, I knew I was going to do exactly what it took. Um, one thing in my mind I knew long ago that if I do my part, the rest will take care of itself. So I expected to win. So I knew that I excelled in Little League football. I excelled in middle school. I excelled in high school, and I had an older brother, and I had people that came before me. Uh, my high school coaches played in the NFL. They told me exactly what I needed to do. So he went to college, so I knew exactly what I needed to do on my part to get a scholarship um, to play. And it was actually to where I got my first scholarship offer, in which I ended up going to that school was University of Toledo. I went to a, a camp that they held uh, for rising juniors, and rising seniors, and I performed well, and they, I performed so well, they offered me. Um, so it was after my sophomore campaign, which I started on varsity, got moved up to varsity my freshman year in high school, but I started on varsity um, and led our uh, team in interceptions with eight interceptions, had a very successful um, you know, season that season. So they knew about that. They knew about the other schools that was recruiting me. So they decided to take action, and they offered me. So it was then there was, you know, it became uh, a reality yeah. that I knew I was going to, have a college scholarship, I mean, a college scholarship. I knew that I was going to be that one step closer to my dream. That's early to that's know early. the first yeah. few years of your high school that that's going to be a reality. Yes. So then tell me about your journey to the NFL. My journey to the NFL, like I said, I started at University of Toledo. Um, I went through some adversity there. I had to transfer to Tennessee State. Um, I arrived at Tennessee State, went through some adversity there, um, had a very successful season, senior season, where I was runner-up defensive player of the year, All-American. Um, worked out for the Pro Scouts, had some adversity there. They actually thought our pro day was one day and no one showed up. So I prepared all for this oh, day no. and was devastated. But one thing in my life, I always went through adversity. I knew how to keep going. I stayed ready mentally. And I worked out for individual teams. Um, and then, you know, I went through the draft process. And Pittsburgh called me actually after the draft um, and signed me as an undrafted free agent. So that journey going making it to the NFL um, – was one that wasn't easy. I had to overcome adversity. I had to continue to fight. I had to continue to believe. And a lot of times during that process, there are a lot of guys that's good enough to make it. But the biggest thing about it, when you're thinking about from a mental standpoint, is the adversities, the obstacles you have to go through. Are you still going to believe? Are you still going to have that same faith that you had 
when everything was going good. And that's what separates people. It's the mental aspect. If you make it in Division One or even Division One AA college and you're a starter and you're on a conference, you can play at the next level. But mentally, where is your mind at when it's going to take you to separate yourself, to deal with the adversities, to deal with the things that's going to be thrown at you? Are you going to be prepared mentally? So you can prepare yourself mentally, but then when you get to to with the Steelers and you're in Pittsburgh, um, were you ready? Yes, I was ready. I mean, physically, I was always gifted at a very young age. I knew that. You know, I had a prototypical size, you know, that for the position. But one thing I had that was against me was out of my control was being in Pittsburgh at that time. Um, there were some guys that came from bigger schools, so to say. When I was at Toledo, I played against Larry Fitzgerald, you know, Big Ben Rossenberger. So I played against the supposedly superior talent, and I performed well against them. So the strike against me was coming from a smaller school, historically black college, Tennessee State, that these guys were better than me. So I had to perform much more and look that much better than them because I couldn't be even because they're going to give them the edge when it comes to sports. So I knew I was ready. I performed well. That was my whole life, you know. I, I thought about it. I envisioned myself there way before I even got there, running out of the tunnel, wearing a, uh, a, pro, a professional uniform, whatever the case may be. So I was prepared for the moment. Like I expected to be there. So it wasn't like, oh, I made it to the NFL. Look at me. It was just something that I expected to do. It was a part of the process. It was supposed to be a part of my life. So there wasn't a huge transition that you felt. Like some some athletes feel probably going from college to pro, you were already in the mindset that you were belonged in there. Yeah, I, I was in the mindset that I belonged. And mindset is everything. The biggest difference was the mental aspect, like you said, the information that they throw at you. So they threw a lot of information at you. So instead of partying and going out, guess what I did? I went back to the room and I studied. You know, I studied the playbook so I can make sure I knew it. Because of me not knowing it, then I got a quote saying, I'm not going to lose because of me. A lot of people lose because of them. What it pretty much means is that if you know something required of you that you have to do to be successful, then do it. Don't be a reason that you can't be successful or you're not getting it because of you. So I knew if I had to study the playbook because I didn't know it. So I continued to study the playbook, and I learned it, and I actually had it. Like I said, in this situation, it was totally out of my control when it came down to them deciding to who they wanted to keep going forward. Um, so what does that look like then? How do you transition then? back, you know, out of this dream that you've had um, and get in the mindset to, like, where do you, how do you see yourself at the next step? Oh, so for me, it was a process. So I got released from Pittsburgh, um, and then I had to go home. It was a waiting game. I was devastated, but I knew something was going to come from it. Like I said, every university I use is motivation. So I actually got a tattoo after they released me, and I got it on my uh, left rib, and it says, it's like a determined face, and it says, will to succeed. So instead of, you know, I cried, you know, I'm a man, I cried about it because it was something I really cared about. I right. didn't understand the business aspect of it. I thought the best players would play and this and like that. Not that so simple. I, yeah, so I had to go back to Nashville um, and I started working at Budweiser, but I stayed, kept working out. And then eventually, you know, Jacksonville called me and then work out and they signed me too as well. So then what has, how long were you there? I was in Jacksonville, 06 and then 07, part of 07, I got released. And I got frustrated, you know, like, you know what, I know I'm good enough in the business aspect. I just want to play. So I told my agent um, that uh, I just want to play. So the CFL offered me a contract to play. So I signed with the Edmonds Eskimos. There were four seasons left in the actual, uh, I mean, four games left in the season. season. And then Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills called my agent and they wanted to sign me. And I was like, what? 
So then they didn't even let me out the contract. So I had to go. You were to, stuck. I was stuck. The CFL didn't oh, want to let me out the contract. Really? The business aspect of it. The business aspect can really mess up sports. So <laughs> if you had it to do all over again, or what advice do you give a young player in the league a year or two, then, I mean. You have to be patient. You got to be ready. Going through that process, you never know when the NFL is going to call. It's a business. It's not going to take nothing personal. It wasn't about talent. It was about what teams had a fit and a need. And then also your agent. Your agent must be good to be able to have those relationships. Everything's about relationships. Think about sports is people think that it's the best people play. No, it's a lot of it is political. A lot of it is about relationships. So I encourage a young player to make a lot of relationships with, with, with the people, um, many people as they can that has connections. Make sure they make a great relationship with their coaches because mm-hmm. you never know what can happen. That coach can get a different job. Right. Um, he can um, or tell other coaches what, tell other what coaches. they love about so you. Yeah. That's why I tell a young player to really focus on himself or herself and control what they can control, right? And that's being the best version of you. You can't control the coaches. You can't control a team. You can't control the outside environment, but you can control the inside environment, what you allow in your mind, what you feed your mind, the process that you actually um, go through individually to prepare yourself for whatever situation that you embark on. And how you react. How you react. Yeah. Controlling how you react. So you you were upset and you still wanted to play, and so you let the want to play override your decision to maybe think it through who you could go play for later and be patient. Did yeah. your agent ever at one point say, don't go don't go play right now, wait these, you know, last of this season out and see if somebody else He should He, I think personally he should have did it, but even still, it was my decision ultimately. You um, wanted so to play. Say, I wanted to play, yeah. man. I knew I can play. I wanted to play. But if I can do it all over again, um, I really won't do it, change anything, because, you know, that me making a decision – change the course of my life um, at the same time. You know, I won't be the man I am today, probably. So everything works out how it's supposed to work out. Sure. But, you know, I would have been a lot more patient. I probably would have been more patient away to the end of the season, you know, so to say. You just never know. You never know, yeah. You, you never know when you're in it mm-hmm. until you look back and see that how things played out. So then that brings us to now. You do a lot of different things. You're an entrepreneur. I know that you like uh, working with kids and mm-hmm. helping kids and different things like that. So tell me about some of the things that you're up to these days, especially here. And you, you guys are a Frisco family, right? Yes. Yeah. So the transition how I got to now was after I left the CFL, um, I got married um, that summer. So I went to CFL, left CFL and got married that summer. And then three months later, my wife got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, so she ended up having to have a foot and half of her small intestine removed. She got down to 79 pounds. She almost died. So I actually had a chance to continue to pursue my dream and play. I signed with a, a Arena 1 team. They folded, and I ended up signing with Arena 2 team. So when she first got diagnosed with Crohn's disease in October, um, the season they started January, they gave her some steroids. She was fine. She wanted to do healthy. She didn't want to take all this medication and stuff like that. But when they found it, it was too far onset. So the steroids, you know, anything steroids, prednisone, it'll knock out anything. So she was fine for a minute, but it was too far on. So like I said, so the, so she needed to take more of a, a a serious approach to it instead of trying to do it naturally, more aggressive approach. Okay, so I was to gonna say. say she was a healthy athlete. Well, she right. ran track. Right, right. She was an athlete, you know. So she, <laughs> you know, but from a health standpoint, it didn't come on to later because we didn't really know. We wasn't really educated about how important nutrition was. Right. Okay. We were told, but we didn't really listen. Okay. And we was eating uh, Burger King and McDonald's before we were going to practice or you know, stuff like that. That's so, a whole other podcast. We yeah, can talk a whole other podcast. Health there. and wellness podcast. Yes. yes. But um, pretty much from that, and then I got a chance to go sign with the Arena Two team. I went there. Was you know playing well. My wife got sick in the hospital, and this is the time that she. 
um, you know, really got sick. And this one, she got down to 79 pounds. So my agent had a, a workout with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At this time, I went mentally couldn't go. I had to be there with my wife. And that's when I decided to walk away from pursuing my dream and be there for her. So it was devastating. I went through a phase to where mentally, you know, I was depressed because I had to be there for her. I had to walk away my whole life of everything I put to get to this position. And also, as a kid, I always grew up and thought about who my wife was going to be and how I was going to take care of my family. And the veil was going to be the vehicle that I was going to use. So I put everything into it. Right. So when I had to walk away from it, it was hard. It was devastating. But I kept going forward, and I got involved in coaching, right? And I was great at it, but it still wasn't f- filling that void. And then I later on got introduced to direct sales, and I started being an intra- entrepreneur, and that's when I found my purpose. And my purpose in life was to make individuals, or I'm sorry, help individuals become the best version of themselves. So all the way to now, to my several businesses and, entrepreneur- and entrepreneurial spirit that I have, I targeted on back to those kids and helping kids because I know the things that we're facing with as society, but also I understand and know that, you know, far as, you know, we all been blessed with gifts and the ability to be able to do certain things and a gift to have to be able to relate to the kids and understand and be able to get them to respond by being able to get them to, to giving them information and then convey it in a way that they can understand and Mm -hmm. digest it and then apply it. So I understand you've worked that out through, um, a series of five different kind of fundamental things, right? right. So tell me about tell me about what that is. We created a, a program. Me and my business partner we created a program called the F five. All right. So when you think about when you think about it, we also have a, a catchy saying to it, like Nike has "Just do it." We have it "Just F it." So we knew when you're dealing with kids, it'll be catchy. It'll be something they'll remember. But we're using it for a positive, not F it. What you guys think? That's what I told them. They all start laughing and giggling. They're going to giggle. I yeah, know. they're going to giggle and laugh because they're at that age, depending on middle school. High school may not laugh. You may have some people that's immature. And then these are found, you know, foundational Fs that they can use. So the first F is faith. When we think about faith, the faith, the word faith of a definition is belief, trust, and confidence. And a lot of people right now, especially at that age, um, these, young, these young individuals don't know who they are. They're trying to find and search themselves. So they need to have sure. faith. They need to believe in themselves. They need to have confidence in themselves and trust in themselves that they have all the ability inside of them already to be, be who they want to be out of this life. So it's a quote that I use with that when I break it down to as well. If there's no enemy, it's an old African proverb quote where it says, if there's no enemy within, then the enemy outside can do you no harm. If there's no enemy within, then the enemy outside can do you no harm. Can do you no harm. So that's powerful and profound when you think about it. A lot of p- people struggle because they're not dealing with the things they're battling with internally. So getting these kids at a very underage, to, you know, under, a very uh, early age to understand, you know, to have that confidence, to have that belief in yourself that you can do the things that you want to do. You can be the person you want to be. Be confident and trust that and believe that. And so that's faith. Yeah, then, and that enemy within thing is, I think that's important because there are so many kids that I think there's just something boiling up inside them. And it might just be that they're letting it, it's their own doing or their anger. Mm-hmm. Or some people think it's entitlement, depending on what how their attitude is. But that can really like devastate Mm-hmm. you because something boiling up inside you can make you uh, look like a different person to people from the outside, the way you treat people or the way you react, or if you're mad all the time, whatever. So I think that's a huge thing for kids to understand that what's inside them and what they allow to be inside them makes a huge impact in their life. Correct. Correct. So a lot of times as kids at that age, we look for when we're trying to find ourselves, we look for our environment, 
We look for people that's around us, and we try to look for validation outside. You know, and one thing, even as parents, we can't give our kids that feel that void. They have to find that from within and understand and know that that what you want to do and what you want to accomplish is going to come from within. And if you can control that, you can be, you know, whatever it is that you want to be. And you and you got to understand that you have a purpose. You've been put here to be greater, you know, to do more and, and bring more to humanity and right. make humanity better. Um, so the second F is food. So you think about food, we think about from a standpoint of what they actually put in their body. Mm-hmm. Our bodies, um, you know, need certain things from a nutritional standpoint to actually function correctly. There's always been ties to carbohydrates, and, you know, dealing with the fact of, you know, giving the kids energy and messing with the chemical imbalances when it comes to, to their mind and what they're thinking. So making sure they're eating a balanced diet from a food standpoint. Okay. But the, the actual thing, like you said, what are you allowing into your mind? Food for thought. What are you feeding your mind far as what are you listening to who are you listening to what are you allowing to control your thoughts so a lot of times are you allowing your emotions how you feel in that current situation to control your thoughts you know are you listening to are you making sure that when you think of negative things you have some in place to say oh no that's just a negative thought it's just how i'm feeling at time yeah and shake it off are you giving yourself reinfor- you know re- reassurance um and you can tie that into far as what you're thinking what you're listening to the yep. affirmations that we created as well so they go in hand with uh, the fitness aspect too as well. So like having a, which is the third F is fitness, which is having a fit body, you know, uh, act of being fit, meaning you're able to move around and, and be fit physically, but also mentally, your mindset when you go through adversity. So food for thought and then fit, fitness, those go hand in hand because what you put into your body, what you're doing physically, those two are directly connected. Mm-hmm. So having affirmations, like I said, so these are affirmations I say with my son. Every morning, and me and my business partner created. We have a song we created as well. We're gonna sell it on iTunes. The kids loved it. I played it for them, but it goes like this: I am strong. I am courageous. I am thankful. I am grateful. I am dominant. I'm a lion. Through your word, I would triumph. I am king, so I lead, and I soar with the equals. I am purpose, so I'm worth it. I am opulent. I am prosperous. Wow. So those words are very profound. Yeah. Right. They are very profound. And he understands, he knows that. He likes to sing it every morning. And we create a song and say, let's go. Put in work, let's go. Put in work, let's go. Afterwards, and we create it and we rap it or whatever. And the kids is catching and he love it. Yeah, that's I mean? awesome. So they start bouncing to it and stuff like that. What age Boom. kids are you talking about that you... He can pay it to elementary kids, yeah. high school kids, middle school kids. Every kid that see it, they, you hear it, they like it. So the thing about, like I said, what are you, what are you visiting to? The music, no, I'm not feeding anything. Everything is negative. You know, everything is negative. Um, your mindset, you know, when you go through adversity, do you know I'm strong? You know, I can make it through this. I'm courageous. Right. You know, or, or a lot of kids, we in Frisco area, they don't even know how great, you know, how blessed they are. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Right. You know, a lot of kids don't have what you have. So it's reassuring yeah. them every single day that you have these blessings. You have all this stuff in front of you or whatever. You are strong. You right. are courageous. So when you go through adversity, I'm strong. I'm courageous. Adversity is not going to stop you. I love that. And then the last one, the fourth F is focus. Uh, we're in middle school. We're in high school. Uh, staying focused. What is your That's responsibility? That's hard for these is, kids. Yeah, what is, your, what is their responsibility right now? So I asked the question when I was at school. I said, how many uh, of you in here pay bills? The only person who raised their hand was the teacher. So I said, okay, that's simple. You're keeping the main thing the main thing. Being the best son or daughter you can be. As you're a student athlete, making sure that you exercise and what you're doing mm-hmm. as well, but also taking care of your grades. Sure. All right? Keeping the main thing the main thing. That's it. Being yeah. a, you don't have that many worries, so stop, you know, letting other stuff, you know, um, 
get you off focus. And that's one of the main things that stop everybody. They're focused. They cannot stay focused or whatever. You have a routine. You go to school. You do that. You come home. You do what you're supposed to do at home. You stay focused on those things, keeping the main thing the main thing. And when you stay focused, you understand and know that this is a temporary situation. So don't never make permanent decisions in a temporary situation. Too many times as teenagers or whatever, kids, they make permanent decisions based off their emotions. And a They're all thinking about yeah, the next step. It's a temporary situation. Right. So stay focused. Worry about what you can That's worry about. That's a brain thing, too, for that age. Um, I think it's something in the front part of the brain where it's not developed to where they're thinking a few steps ahead of what the, what the outcomes are going to be to some of their decisions and, and choices that they make. I mean, I think it's in our jobs as parents to recognize and realize that we feed into that, too. We speak life to them at a very early age. I think every child has the ability to be able to think like that and be like that if the environment is set that way. Um, so Yeah, if you're taught to. Yeah, if they're yeah, taught to. to pay so attention a child is only taught to what you teach it, either, you know, verbally or by example. So it's very important for, you know, me as a father, me even going through this process has helped me become a better father because now I'm conscious even more of everything that I'm doing because I'm, you know, I'm, I believe in leading by example. You know, so it says I can't right. go around telling these kids to do and then, I'm not doing it myself, yeah, you and I have my own kids, and walk you know, the listen, walk. Got to walk the walk. Yeah. Um, so that's that. And then the last F is fellowship. Fellowship is very important because fellowship is who you around, who you hang around. You know, who's your circle of influence? We know in business that we know the saying that your network will determine your net worth. Um, but for here, you know, as a kid, it's who you surrounded with, and who you around, uh, will determine how high you go in life and how far you go in life. So if you're not surrounded with great peers, you know, or whatever. And you let on them to influence you wrongly because you want to fit in. You want to be popular for this temporary situation, which is middle school and high school. Right. This time will pass, and you allowing them to 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 affect you negatively, or how are you are you allowing them to affect you positively? They're motivating you. They're pushing you to be, become better. And if and, and then teaching them it's okay if your fellowship is not right and you can't find nobody. It's okay to be alone. It's okay to back up, and it's okay for you to be able to look for people mm-hmm. like minded individuals like you. Um, to That's hard. In the group. Yeah, it's hard. But that's a good point that sometimes kids feel like the only people in their group bailed on them or like when kids come back from summer break and the kids they thought were their friends have changed. Mm -hmm. Maybe they had a rough summer or they've, I don't know, whatever they're into now. And that's a scary thing for kids to realize that they got to maybe refresh their circle of friends. So that's important, like you said, that it's okay to step back. Be by yourself for a second and kind of take a look and reassess who you want to choose to be around you. Right, exactly. Fellowship is very important, especially at a young age. I mean, a lot of people aren't driven. A lot of people, a lot of the kids don't know exactly what they want. Um, so they try to find and test different things, but that can be dangerous, but it also can be positive. You know how to leverage it and use it. So the biggest thing what happens is kids go from different groups and trying to be different stuff, trying to find themselves all in part of the process. Those are kids you really don't have all the other Fs that I just said. So like now, as you can see, the F5 program helps to give them a game plan, bring some attention to, you know, to attention to their situation and actually help develop them. And I, we had created a saying, like I said, so when you're going through doubt or you don't believe in yourself, just F it. Go back to faith. Well, what is Go faith? Back, yeah. yeah. You know, so if you're going and you're not feeding yourself positive thoughts and you're not watching what you put in your body, just F it. So we have a sense of, okay, I remind myself, I need, to, I need the F it. I need to go back to the Fs. So now it gives them a foundation. It gives them something that they can keep in their mind. And also a game plan and a guide to help them 
So we have a whole program. We can roll out for them. We can come. We can do um, weekly things. We can come up to the school, you know, do extracurricular activities from a standpoint, stuff that's going to actually help them and grow them. The biggest thing right now is, you know, school takes care of the IQ. But then we all know that the EQ is what really determines how successful you're going to be mm-hmm. um, in life. And that's why mental health is a huge issue because a lot of people don't have the EQ skills to be able to deal with the things they thought life was going to work out. Like when that, I got a degree and I'm supposed to get a nice job, but I can't find a job. Now, how do I deal with that? You know, having those EQ skills to help them go through that, to be able to understand and recognize and then make sure they help themselves become the best version of themselves. So now everything they do outside of that is only adding value to everywhere they go and not taking away from it. Yeah, that's great. I love that you um, have this program put together and that you can go to schools and talk to kids or teams or whoever really wants to hear, um, let the kids hear what you have to say. Um, so I also want to say, like on Instagram, you're Mr. Let's Go, right? Yes. Mr. Let's Go. With Mr. Let's Go. That's my motivational lots brand. Lots of O's. Oh, yeah, four, four O's. Four O's is a foundation. I mean, at four, so I'm real big on numbers. So yeah. numbers mean something. Yeah. So four is a foundation. Mr. Let's Go is my brand name. And so uh, you guys can look for him there. And I like that you're, I think it was there. I don't know where I saw this. But you say that a force put you here to impact millions. Yes. So I believe I've been put, in, put here for a reason and, and be, to become a force to be able to impact millions. So our goal is to help individuals become a force. So when you're a force in this universe, then a force is something that's powerful, that's, you know, something that, you know, understands and recognize who or she is and understand it has a purpose and will not be stopped by any means when it comes to that. So teaching kids and teaching individuals, adults, because we have an adult program too as well. So we're teaching individuals as a whole to become the best version of themselves so they can become a force you know, a positive change in this world that we so desperately need. I love it. Love it. Positivity and motivation. Correct. You're doing some good stuff. Thanks for jumping in the studio with us today oh, man, and I'm telling excited. us about it. I'm excited, man. I mean, I'm excited. I'm passionate about it. Um, 2020s, you know, is fast, rapidly approaching. And I mean, I'm excited to impact some lives and change some lives and, and go forward with this F5 and really push this movement. Good deal. And I know your wife impacts lives too. She's an educator and a coach here in Frisco, right? Yes, she is yes. a coach, educator. We have a powerful story. This is something that we'll be doing um, long-term together. I mean, she has that educational background, so she really understands, and she resonates well with the kids. She has a gift um, as well, too. So we're in a position to really impact, and that's the that's the thing to go, to make better, in, you know, better individuals, period, you know, and, and, and have a solution to the problems that's going on right now, which is the huge epidemic is mental health. Yeah. And that's what I want to attack. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Helping one, two, however many millions, however many people you can talk to and help them through, especially young people, help them through whatever they're going through at the time and just get to the other side of that and make a better individual. So thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Let's go.